Hey guys, welcome back to War Influence to another episode. This is episode nine. We've got an absolutely exciting guest. Before I go on, I have to go on and talk about all the exciting guests that we've got coming up. We've got an absolute woman power that will be coming in shortly who I'm not going to say what runs yet and what they do, but absolutely ridiculous amount of girl power and uh, really exciting to see what she's up to. We've also got a billionaire hedge fund manager that will be joining us and I'll be sure hopefully talking about Brexit and all of the madness of what's going on. Today I am joined by CJ from Sal's Shoes. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to War Influence. Thank you, thanks for having me. Yeah, perfect. So I suppose let's go and start with what you're up to and a little bit more about how you started South Shoes. Um, like I said, I've got in front of me, um, you didn't mention The Piranhas by Sarah Nelson Smith, which is a crisis survival guide. And I've also got your charity uh, newsletter by the looks of it with over 1 million pairs of your South Shoes sent to 38 countries. So really excited to see how this whole venture started with your charity. So the abridged version um, is just under six years ago. uh, My son was really lazy boy child, didn't walk till he was almost two. um, But not long afterwards, I had already accumulated a bag full of his outgrown, but not outworn shoes. Kids feet grow really quickly and kids shoes are really expensive. Uh, So I had a bag full of his shoes and contacted some charities to see if they'd collect them because they had so much wear left in them. Um, and the charities I contacted said, yeah, absolutely, we collect kids' shoes. And I said, fantastic, where do they go? And they said, Asia and Africa and South America. And I said, brilliant, but where will my sons go? Um, and they couldn't tell me, and it didn't rest easy with me. I think charities need to be accountable. Um, I was fortunate enough to have spent my childhood overseas. My dad's a civil engineer, so we moved every two, three, yeah. four, five years through my childhood. Um And I just wanted to know where his shoes would go and that another child would receive them for free if I donated them. So I decided to cut out the middleman and I sent one bag full of his shoes to a friend who was volunteering on the children's oncology ward at a hospital in Zambia. And to be honest, thought no more about it. Good deed done for the year. Pat on the back. Um, Until a few weeks later, I happened to receive back some photographs from her saying she'd got the shoes and she'd taken them onto the hospital ward and found them new feet and thought I might like to see some images. And one of the photos was a little boy sitting in a hospital cot and he was wearing my son Sal's very first pair of shoes and they had now become his first pair of shoes. Um, And I've got no qualms about saying charity can be quite selfish. Doing good feels good. And that photo made me feel good. It made me want to do more. And I knew it would make many of my friends want to make a difference as well. So um, social media for all its flaws when harnessed for good can be pretty astounding. And I literally put that photo um, on my personal Facebook page saying South Shoes have become another's and was just inundated with messages saying, we've got kids' shoes, we've got a wardrobe full of shoes, how do we get them to you? What organisation was this through? Um, So to cut a long story short, I registered South Shoes. It's a registered charity. We collect pre-loved children's shoes and we find them new feet all over the world. So we'll be six this month and we're just about to count our one and a half millionth pair. And South Shoes are walking again in 44 countries around the world now, including increasingly here in the UK. Wow, that's something actually I I did get that information um, about the UK side of things. That's something that you would, I, well, maybe me, I overlooked that 
as in in the UK that children need shoes in the UK that aren't getting them? UK child poverty is on the increase in central London alone. There's, I think it's an estimated 700,000 children just in central London living below the breadline. There are children in this country going to school hungry. There are parents in this country who can't afford to buy their kids shoes. That is crazy. So how do you find those children then? As in, like, how do you find, you know, in the UK, for example, I've got a pair of shoes, um, you know, for children. How do you, you know what you're saying, how do you know where they end up? How do you know where they end up within your charity, for example, um, in London and stuff? Is it still through those volunteers and things like that? or? So six years on, we've managed to maintain the premise in which I built the charity that was we know where every single pair of shoes finds their new feet. And we work with small organisations and grassroots organisations wherever they are in the world for distribution. Um, so I started the charity with places I knew of, um, having had the privilege of being quite well-travelled, and then places other people knew of. And now increasingly we're contacted um, by organisations and other charities that need footwear. That is awesome. So when, when you give them to those ones, do you, do you have to just trust them or do they send proof and photos and stuff like that of where it's ended up? There has to be an element of trust, I think, yeah. because of the logistics involved. You know, we might be sending to East London, but we might be sending to East Africa. Yeah. Um, and it's not um, a condition of our distributions, but we do endeavour to get photographs and footage of all our distributions. That is amazing. One and a half million shoes. And we think, I mean, we say, we think in terms of pairs of shoes, but that's yeah. one and a half million children yeah. who've received a pair of shoes because of the generosity of another child who's donated their pair. Um, and also, in fact, it's more than that. And something I hadn't thought about when I started the charity is that we now receive feedback from places we sent shoes to two or three years ago saying the shoes are still being worn by younger members and younger siblings in the community. Yeah, so passed it on. Yeah. So as quickly as my son Sal outgrew his shoes, so does the next child and the one after that and the one after that. And the shoes just are literally being worn until there's nowhere left in them. That is amazing, isn't it? Six years in the making. So is it a big team in the charity? It's me and my phone, some admin support and uh, volunteers. That is crazy, isn't it? And it's just surprising how far that actually goes in order to be able to do that. Yeah, I think um, in the era of the smartphone um, and all the tools we have, you know, I can be dropping my own kids to school and receive WhatsApp images from a distribution in Aleppo in Syria saying, hi, CJ, just to let you know we're distributing school shoes. Um, schools are just starting to reopen there after the war. So, wow. you know, there's a whole generation that's missed out on an education. Mm, that is that is incredible. And it makes such, you don't even think about that, do you, when you're, well, I always say privileged with having shoes ourselves. You don't think or wonder what that would be like without having them as well of how your day-to-day basis would go and so on and so forth. Is there anyone else that's out there that's doing this? I don't think to the extent in which we do it. Nobody's doing it how we do it. Um, So there are charities that collect um, children's shoes, but I think what we try and do is um, just have some storytelling. Yeah. Um, and because of the photos and the footage we often receive, it means that kids and parents here recognise their shoes. Yeah. So a child here can donate their shoes at school um, and then might receive a photo of 
you know, their pair of shoes in wherever, Ghana in West Africa, you know, yeah. in a rural school or a football player here might donate their football kit and their football boots and recognise them on a football pitch in South Africa. Um, you know, we get snow warnings here and everyone rushes off to buy their kids snow boots, which mm-hmm. you wear for all of 20 minutes yeah, exactly, bef- yeah. before the snow melts. For a week or two, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the snow melts and next winter they're not going to fit again. So last year when we distributed winter footwear in the Ukraine, it was minus 15 wow. um, in some of the orphanages and the kids were barefoot or in socks and receiving pretty much brand new you know, winter snow boots that had been worn for, you know, as you say, a week yeah, exactly. before the snow gets all sludgy and melts in the UK. Yes, this sounds completely off topic, but it's definitely interesting about how you're saying about making sure that they end up where they are. Because I, have you ever seen the TV series Carl Pilkington? Yes. You've seen it. Yeah. Have you? You've already know where I'm going with this. Uh, there's um, he went on a trip where he wanted to go see the um, uh, gorillas. I don't know which country it was, but I know that there was a lot of poverty there. But he went to a market and had an absolute field day on buying clothes for like a pound, two pounds, and all the rest of it. And it was it was all donated stuff that's gone there. Now it's at a market where people are selling it. So it's not actually gone to the proper cause of what it was donated for. You know, it's donated so that people would go wear it, not so that it would be sold in a overbroad market for, you know, well, I don't know if it's cheap in their money, but you know, he was having an absolute field day. So it's um Absolutely. I mean, one of the reasons I started the charity is because having grown up in Africa all too often for whatever reason, um, I saw charity labelled items for sale on the black market. And I just remember thinking, you know, I had a hundred quids worth of kids' shoes and I didn't want another family having to pay for those. I'd already paid for them. I just wanted a child to have protected feet. Yeah. Um, we've had phone calls at South Shoes from um, people asking to buy thousands of pairs of shoes so that they can ship them out and, and sell them. Really? Yeah. Well, defeats the whole object, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, and they're just they're from overseas, and they're just thinking, yeah. "Oh, yeah, that's good distribution." Yeah, they know that we've you know they've done a Google search on on shoes or shoe charities, or they've seen you know that we're collecting somewhere, and they've contacted us to say, "Can we buy five thousand pairs of shoes off you?" You wouldn't be surprised how many charities would probably say, "Actually, we could do a bit of that. Why not? Let's um, let's send them out." I wouldn't be surprised. That's- yeah, we do. If we we do, which we're very transparent about, if and when we do receive brand new shoes, yeah, um, we do sometimes sell them on the likes of eBay or Facebook pages. Because, for example, if we get a child's pair of, you know, brand new UGG boots, yeah. that we can sell for sixty pounds, you know. we work on the basis of a pound a pair. Yeah. So, if by selling that brand new pair we can get sixty pounds, that means sixty pairs of sale shoes on sixty children, as opposed to just one pair of boots exactly. on one child. Yeah. So we do do that, and we are transparent about that. But that's, um, that's strategic, isn't it? That's, yeah. That makes that makes sense. So just selling a massive bulk pair of yeah. stuff overboard to a market's not the best way. That's that's how we got started with Overwatch. We kind of um, this whole um, ice bucket challenge really kind of brought light to that because um, we did some digging into. Um, I won't mention the charity. We did some digging into the charity at the time and the pay of where the donations was going to was just absolutely just non-justified. And um, it wasn't it wasn't us. Um, I remember they got whistleblowed on it as well about it and it was 50% of the um, 50% of the donations was going to the senior members of staff and it was just 
millions. It's been in the news uh, last couple of years that, you know, there has been a demise of quite a few big charities um, and what they're spending on overheads. Um, you know, we, we were actually really fortunate um, for the last three and a half years. We were gifted, effectively, rent-free premises. That's amazing. So we had a 2,200-square-foot warehouse for free. Um, which was amazing and enabled us to achieve what we have today. Unfortunately, at the beginning of the summer, that site was redeveloped. Um, so now, almost six years in, um, we are rent paying. Uh, so we need to raise like £30,000 a year, which is actually a huge amount of money for a relatively small charity in monetary terms like yeah. we are. It's an additional 30000 we have to fund every year to pay rent. Um, but we have um, part-time sort of admin support, um, and I pretty much run it from my phone. And we have regular volunteers, that um, a core team that come in every week and sort and pack the shoes. Uh, and then most companies, we tend to get a corporate group about once a week now because most companies have one to the three um, charity days a yeah, year. Yeah. So, um, for example, we had a group in a couple of weeks ago and we had 15 volunteers in from 10 till 3. Um, and they sorted and packed 7,000 pairs of shoes. So that's 7,000 children they're going to have had a positive impact on just yeah. from utilising one of their charity days and coming to our warehouse. That's amazing. That is amazing. It's, it's, it frustrates me, I think, just how much some charities, you know, take. Um, I get that when you're running a big, massive charity that you have to be top of your game in order to be producing the results that you are. <clears throat> However, does that really justify a high six, if not seven-figure salary in a charity? Charity, I don't, you know, charity doesn't, it shouldn't be for free and it's not sustainable. So everyone working for charity should be paid because it's not, your work's not sustainable. If you can't support yourself, you can't support the work you're doing. Um, but yeah, I think people probably don't cut as many corners as they could. Mm, it's true. It's true. It's, um, that's again with us, we was just, we, the company was like, well, you know what, between this company, we're all aged between 18, 19, and I'd say the average going upwards is probably about 38, 39. And we do, every single one of us, pretty much, we're all quite competitive. We do charitable things every single year. And we're just like, why are we doing them for charities where it's not personalised? It's not, um, as in, we're not seeing the aftermath of what we've actually done. We're not seeing those results coming through. And we thought, let's do it ourselves. Why not? We don't need to get paid for it. We'll set it up ourselves. We'll run with it, and um, we'll make sure that on the back of the results, if we hit certain KPI targets, then we'll go and join in with it and actually be on the ground and having fun, getting involved and stuck in and seeing the physical results of what we're doing. And that's um, it's a little bit more on what Overwatch does, and it's just like trying to personalise the actual missions to each person. Of you know, what's your passion? Is it is it to do with the reefs? Is it to do with um, plastic? Is it to do with conservation? Is it to do with you know, um, you know, uh, sell shoes and uh, working on, um, you know, fitting out children with um, trainers and shoes that they wouldn't have. And whatever angle it is, it's just all about trying to make it personalised to the person that was raising the funds for it. Because when it when it's personalised, they're 100% even more on, on board. If you look, we looked at um, charity retention of when someone does something for charity one year, the next year they'll do it for another charity and the year after that they'll do it for another charity you know i said they're thinking well i've uh, we did a boat race we did it for mcmillan in one year and the other year we did it for um who was it i think it was make a wish 
Um, I ran the half marathon for UNICEF. But was that so? Was that staff voting which charity to support, or why did why didn't you support the same charity every year? I um, just decided to, that we wanted to do a different one, and it was when we looked into it, we didn't really have we didn't really have a reason. We thought, oh, let's just do another charity. Let's make it a bit different this year. Why don't we choose, you know, another charity? And then we all started thinking, what, what, why isn't there a charity loyalty? Why are we, you know, why aren't we, if we're going to do it, why aren't we choosing the same one, seeing the effects grow? And it's more like, oh, you know, I need to run the marathon for a charity, so I need to find one. Uh, which ones are still recruiting spots for the marathon? Oh, this one. So yeah. the reason's not actually for the charity is to get the spot on the marathon to, you know, go and be able to do it. So we thought there's got to be a way of creating um, – you know, almost like charity loyalty, like you're saying about getting the people down and doing the corporate days of, and they're going, right, I'll pack 7,000 shoes. You know, I'm sure that you'll probably get some photos back, won't you, from that, where they can say, this is what your corporate day equated to. Thank you so much. And they sit there and they go, wow, look at those, look at those results. But when you work with some of the other charities, you know, uh, we, we did the, uh, it's called a Viking boat race. And we all go down to Milton Keynes and we have a, um, a boat of 16 people. We do a boat race. We've done it twice now. And there's about 65 boats that go and do it. First time, and, and these boat teams, they've got multiple crews. They've got team 16 on, team 16 off. We didn't have that. We just had 16. So it was the same team all the time. And so we would... Um, throughout the day would slowly get tired whilst <laughs> the other ones weren't. But, you know, the first time we did it, we came, um, we came ninth. Uh, one year the next time we did it we came sixth and now it's going to think if we go next year <laughs> and we have two teams of 60 we could come first on that one so um, but yeah it was just so dedicated to look at how can we how can we grow charity loyalty and it's more like you know if someone sits down and goes I've got a five grand raise target wow that's a lot of money actually you can do quite a lot with that especially in third world countries and depending on what exactly you want to do some things don't actually take funding at all such as beach cleanups and things like that a few bags and you're on your way so we're just sitting down with individuals and saying what would you like to do um, for charity um, as an event this year and we can basically host that get other people to back you as well yeah get people to donate to the cause and offer the same thing um, Overwatch grows in its um, in its raises, in its charitable events, and on its accomplishments of what we're doing, and it's all tailor made to what the raisers want to do with that capital. So it's um, yeah, it's been an, it's been an interesting journey. We're very we're very new to charity. It's almost like the, the company's grown to a ridiculous size, and we want to get involved with charity, and that's how we did it. And we thought we went down the clothing line. And we're now setting that up, and should hopefully be looking to launch that in twenty twenty. But the power, the power we've seen in, in tailoring the raising to what someone specifically wants to do is just, it's so powerful. Have you ever thought of incorporating anything like that into South Shoes? Like, um, you know, I want my shoes to go to um, Uganda because I grew up there. Or if not, I said, do you have options like yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Gonna... We do. And the other thing we do, which is it was always personally very important to me and we've we've managed to keep it going despite um the way we've sort of snowballed and grown over the last few years is if we receive a pair of donated south shoes with contact details that person receives an acknowledgement because you know you see these sort of clothing and shoe donation bins outside supermarkets or you know near the recycling um and you drop your clothes or shoes in there but you don't really know or i never knew what happened to them do they, do they actually go anywhere? That's what I want to know. Who, who knows? 
Um, but yeah. if an eight-year-old boy here makes a decision to send his South shoes to us and writes us a letter and sends us his contact details, uh, we acknowledge every single donation we get if we have contact details. So that child will get a note back saying, thanks for sending us your shoes. We promise to find them new feet. And we'll, we'll also let them know where their shoes have found their new feet. So that might be as specific as... You know, a school in South London, her, their shoes have gone to a school in Kenya. Or it might be if you sent us a pair of winter footwear in, you know, November last year, they went to the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, but we know where every single pair goes. Yeah. It's, it's always, I've always looked at it, especially in like the Tesco's, we see the big clove dumps and you think, I wonder if they go anywhere or they just weigh them up and then, you know, like you're saying, you got contacted by those people and just sell them on. I, th- I, I think, I mean, I would assume... Um, that's why we've grown as we have and we've got the support we have uh, is that because I think people are increasingly just becoming more aware and so they don't want to just think they're making a difference but they want to know how they're making a difference. Yeah, 100%. That's why, um, yeah, no, I'm on the same same level with that. That's why we're saying about we wanted to get the um, high-end clothing so that people are out there wearing it but you actually feel proud to wear it. You know, when you open that box, you get a little letter in that says, depending on when you checked out on the website, which mission you chose, it could have been something towards the reef, plastics, whatever, let's say plastics. Is that something we've been working on? And, it would, you know, you'd open up and it's like, thank you for buying this T-shirt. We hope you wear it with pride, so on and so forth. This has helped us remove 3,000 pieces of plastic yeah, from our beach. And you sit there and you're like, wow, that's, that's what this gets me. I'm wearing this. I like what I'm wearing. You know, you sit there, people these days, they wear Gucci, Louis Vuitton, top-class brands when they're out and about, and they're wearing it because because it's cool, because it's fashionable. So we're like, how can we make a charitable cool and fashionable, but at the same time you're proud to wear it, and it's got results on the back as well. And, and you know what the results are. Yeah. Um, my little girl is six now, but I always think, you know, when she was little, as soon as she could walk at the supermarket, when you have cash donation boxes so as soon as you could walk and talk always wanted change you know to put put in in the in the boxes and I'd very nobly be saying oh you know this is for the lifeboat or cardiac arrest or but she never once asked she Mm. just wanted to put money in a box but she never once said what's it for whereas I think you know with a charity like Sal Shoes we you know we teach our kids like as soon as as soon as they can talk that sharing is caring yeah and I think South Shoes is a really child-friendly, practical charity because you can say to a child, your shoes don't fit you anymore. How about you donate them to a child who doesn't have a pair? Yeah. Um, and we ask for a pound a pair donation, which funds the journey those shoes will set off on. Yeah. So whether the shoes are going um, you know, down the road to us to a baby bank in Surrey, relatively affluent Surrey, yeah. which is how we think about it, or whether they're going to you know, Southeast Asia... Um, that journey costs money, so we have to fundraise for that as well. Yeah. And how do you go about the fundraising? We ask, we, um, we ask for a pound a pair monetary donation. So that pays for the logistics. Um, but, you know, we're a charity, so we're constantly... It's almost like the uh, South Fairy. You know, like you've got the Tooth Fairy, put a pound under your pillow. Yeah. It's probably gone up now. It's probably like a two-pound coin or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we actually... <laughs> when we started it, because it was quite child-friendly, we used to ask people to tape a one-pound coin to the sole of their shoes... Um, which in theory is a really nice idea until our volunteers discovered that people don't just use like one strip of tape. People were like duct taping their yeah, pound. So yeah. there's a lot of time for us in the warehouse. Um, but now uh, people can donate, you know, online or through our website or through the Instagram page or PayPal. Um, and then they send us their shoes. That is amazing, isn't it? 
No, it's nice. And um, how does South Shoes kind of grow from here? Where does he go? How's the journey? How's the journey getting even bigger than this? It's just, it's uh, increasing. There's all sorts of things uh, about shoes, especially kids' shoes, that I never knew about when I started the charity. Um, so, for example, in most countries around the world, there is a state-run education system, as yeah. we have in the UK. Yeah. So schools are free to access, but school uniforms mandatory. Yeah. So if you can't afford a school uniform or a pair of school shoes, you cannot go to school. Mm. And there is a direct correlation between poverty and education. There can be. Education can be a way out of poverty. So we need these kids in school. Um, so a few years ago, I piloted an idea in the UK that's actually long been practiced in South Africa in certain more privileged areas where kids at the end of secondary school sit their final exam. And before they leave the exam hall, they take off their school shoes and they put them on their exam tables. And those shoes are then rounded up and given to less privileged kids in the hope that the following year they can go to school and get a qualification. Um, and so I figured, certainly not all, but most kids in the UK start school in September with a new pair of school shoes. You get a pencil case and a lunchbox yeah. and a pair of school shoes. Yeah. So we piloted it with one school that had been a long-term supporter of South Shoes and they sent a letter home two weeks before the end of the summer term saying, if your kids are likely to outgrow their school shoes over the summer, perhaps they'd like to leave them behind and South Shoes will get them back into education. And that one school... Um, collected 300 pairs and by the time they went back into their first assembly in September they watched footage of their shoes going back into school in Ghana in rural Africa they kitted out three schools wow um and social media doing what it does we put a post about it on the South Shoes Facebook page and we said this is what happened 300 pairs if you'd like to jump on board next year drop us an email um and that post went on to be shared over 88,000 times blimey which meant the following year we had over 600 schools across the UK and we collected over 175,000 pairs of school shoes in one month at the end of term. Uh, so this year is year four, I think. And Did you have to go pick them up? No. So oh. we're, we're actually asking people for quite a lot. Um, I believe, and the last six years have certainly reaffirmed to me, that the vast majority of us want to do good. We just don't always get around to it because we're busy. Yeah. We have businesses, we have companies, we have families, we've got friends, we've got pets that need walking. We're busy people. But give people as direct an opportunity to help as possible. And I think if it's within their capacity, they will. So we're actually asking people for quite a lot. We're asking them to have a route around at home for their kids' outgrown shoes. We're asking them to donate a pound a pair. And we're also asking them to fund delivery to us. Okay. So in the UK, we've got one mailing address where you can also drop off shoes if you're local. Um, but yeah, we this year we had just under 2,000 schools across the UK, <coughs> excuse me, donate their shoes. Um, but, you know, as far away as Wales and Scotland and Isle of Wight, and they all fund delivery to us. That's amazing. The interesting part is, is probably without even realising, there's a knock-on effect on the education as well of doing that in those 600 schools because they're then becoming aware of more of what they're doing with yeah, their absolutely. own shoes. And, and they, all, they all get a certificate on. saying where their shoes have gone. Um, so, for example, about a month ago, we sent 7,000 pairs to Nicaragua. Okay. Um, half will go into the mountains where the crops failed this year, so the families literally have nothing, and half will go to children living on rubbish dumps, barefoot. Wow. Um, but all the, all the kids here that donated will know and hopefully see um, some images of where their shoes have ended up. Who takes those images? Just people out there? or 
it, I mean, you know, in this day and age, every everyone's got a phone. We honestly, we we um, we get images from just the most remote, random areas. Not you know, none of them particularly brilliant quality, but you know, just snap snapped on a on a, on a phone. I was uh, lucky enough a few years ago to um, travel across South America, and I was in the middle of the Atacama Desert, uh, and my phone actually had a better signal there than it does outside my back door in <laughs> Surrey. <laughs> That is crazy. So, isn't yeah, it? I mean, there's yeah. Most people have. Fun, I was so. thinking the same. I, I I did an Instagram live when I climbed Ben Nevis at the top of Ben Nevis, <laughs> yeah. and I thought I'm in the yeah. top end of Scotland on the top of a mountain. And you've got a brilliant signal, and I'm Instagram yeah. live in one of the guys that 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 suit behind you on the left is um, one of the guys climbed to the entire of Ben Nevis in a Roman suit. Oh, heavy. Yeah, twenty four kilos roughly. Yeah. It was it was hilarious, but it was he did. How many kilos did he sweat off inside it? <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, probably a, a lot. Yeah, the signal was absolutely. Uh, it was it was amazing up there to go, and um, uh, you know you wouldn't have thought that would have been the case. Uh, same thing on um, when my um, book was launched. I had a um, Instagram video from a guy in rural India, somewhere that I've never even thought my book would make it to, and he was driving on his moped up a river. It was probably about a foot deep with his book in his left hand saying, I've got it, I've got it. And he's done it. And he goes, my village is flooded, but I've still got it. And he's showing a, a video of this, all these streets just completely flooded and driving, uh, riding on his moped back to his house. And I'm sitting there thinking, what? This is crazy. How's my book managed to get out of that to that, to that area? The question is, is how long will it be until there's more phones in the world than there are shoots? That'll probably be the... Yeah. The, the the next one they'll have a phone but they won't have a pair of um shoes to see them through it's i mean it's worked to our advantage as well because um the funny thing in certain countries i think possibly it's to do with the stigma still attached to charity or you want to help but you don't know how to um and so people in other countries see for example the sale shoes facebook page or the instagram page and think, oh, that's a really good idea. And instead of just organising a collection and walking down the road to the nearest orphanage, uh, they email us to say, we want to do a South Shoes collection. Yeah, strange, isn't it? Um, but it means we now host several in-country collections and distributions. So, yeah. for example, we did it in Nigeria and all the private schools, all the embassies, all the five-star hotels collected shoes. And when uh, we just drove them up north. Uh, to kids that needed them uh, we've done it in Zambia we've done it in Namibia we've done it in South Africa we collected shoes in Singapore that went to orphanages in Bali it's crazy isn't it how they just don't think about doing yeah. it they just be like no you can get on and do it we'll collect it and leave it to you or also you know they know that we've probably got yeah, best got practice this. and yeah. streamlined it I mean it's been a, you know it's six years worth of learning how most efficiently to do it um, at the end of the day, all we're all we're really doing is recycling. So it has to be cost effective. Shoes are actually really difficult to recycle because they're made up of so many different components. Yeah. Um, so all we're doing in finding them new feet is is just recycling them. Yeah, it makes sense. Very interesting. So and this is do you do this full time now? Is this a hundred percent absolutely all of your work and effort goes into sales shoes or do you do other things or um yeah, pretty much. But as I said, you know, through my phone, I make it work for me. I'm, I'm incredibly time efficient. Yeah. So, you know, my three-hour drive here and the traffic ended up just being constant. How many shoes did and, you get? Yeah. How many, deals, how many deals did you get done whilst you were I made you're a stuck? lot of calls and received a lot of calls. It was it was very productive time. <laughs> um, yeah, and just increasingly, we're getting um, 
contacts from all sorts of people. We've now just extended uh, to include sports kit. We're in the really fortunate position now of being offered just all sorts of amazing things. Uh, companies are becoming more socially aware. And the stuff I think that used to go to landfill yeah. uh, is pretty horrifying. And they're now making the effort to find out where they can donate it. And in fact, it's usually cheaper for them to drive it to our warehouse yeah. than to pay to landfill it. That's interesting. Um, and we were getting, we, we received so many thousands of pairs of football boots and rugby boots. Um, and we were getting offers of teams worth of kits, you know, when they're changing their stripe at the end of the season. So it made sense for us if we were going to kit out, you know, a whole league of players, as we have done in, for example, South Africa, that if we were getting offers of sports kit, we could send that as well. So that they've yeah. then got kit and boots. Yeah. Well, when I was about two or three years ago, my first major taste in charity on individual things was um i funded um 150 children to have um, all of their school uniform and uh learning materials that they needed for the entire thing and you just said i think it cost me i think it was about two and a half thousand pounds for 150 to have everything <coughs> to have absolutely everything that they needed and you sit there and you think that's crazy that that's all it costs in the great scheme of things two and a half thousand for 150 kids to be able to go and do that. It's like in the UK, the raising the power of what can be done, in, especially in in um, in third world countries, is just crazy on, on what can be achieved. There's a guy that um, is a fellow trader in America called Timothy Sykes, and um, he 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 messed up badly on a on a on, on his Twitter account. He put a tweet out and said, "For every reshare, I will build a school." That's what he said, and. Um, he had something like twenty uh, odd thousand reshares of his tweet, and he went and set up uh, a charity. It's now one of the, it's a massive charity. Now he's got two of them. He's got Karmawaga and he's got a, a one called Save the Reef. And um, he's on something silly like it's two hundred fifty, two hundred fiftieth school that he's built. And he says, "I, I, I may never make it because you can still reshare it now, <laughs> but I'll just keep on going to to hit the goal um, of what he wants to do." And so he's been helping out with the rainforest at the moment and all of that craziness that's going on. Uh, doesn't, it doesn't get any easier, does it, when you've got these, um, you know, when people are saying global warming's um, a fad and stuff like that with Trump and stuff. So it's a, it's a big issue at the moment. Have you seen any sort of um, kind of resistance from, you know, governments or any sort of policies? Does any stuff like that affect you with what you're doing? No, we haven't. Um, but to be honest, I welcome any critique. I think we can only learn from it. We have... Um, I think in our history had two emails which actually raised a really really valid point which was by for example sending shoes to another country are we putting local shoemakers out of business oh, I you know, do you teach a man you know do you give a man a fish or do you teach yeah. him how to fish mm. um, and uh, it was it, they're really valid questions I welcomed them um, but I do believe we are sending shoes to kids who couldn't afford a pair regardless yeah and if a pair of shoes means they're going to be able to go to school and get an education and get a job and support their country and feed back into the economy mm. um then i think it's going to come full circle anyway it's interesting you might not have thought about that about what the factors actually taken into account by doing it yeah i suppose so yeah, it's an interesting one, though, isn't it? What a strange thought process to have, but I suppose unless if they know the area, maybe know what, you know, there's business owners out there that do make shoes. But if they can't afford it in the first place, they're, um, they're not going to be on that sort of radar anyway to 
kind of proceed. We, we haven't got, you know, any political agenda. We're literally just recycling shoes. Uh, kids outgrow their footwear so quickly. And, there's, and you know, feet and shoes are protected feet. They're feet protected from injury and infection. And in areas of low sanitation, therefore, the spread of infection. Um, so, for example, a few years ago when there were those really bad earthquakes in Nepal, yeah. um, the embassy of Nepal contacted us uh, to say they were sending out 10 priority aid items um, from London to Nepal. And children's shoes were one of their priority aid items. Could we help? Wow. Because injured feet are cut feet, are feet open to disease, and then it just spreads. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not It's not just um, overseas. It's not just the developing world. We... Um, we, we in May this year we uh, distributed over five hundred pairs of brand new school shoes uh, to eight local schools to us. That's in Surrey. So you wouldn't have thought that in Surrey yes, either, would you? Local schools. We send shoes uh, to a school in Wales, where the headmaster. The day I spoke to him, um, knowing that he was going to speak to me, he'd done playground duty, and he said, "CJ, in the last half an hour, knowing I was going to speak to you, I've been looking at all the kids' feet in the playground." And he'd counted like eight kids in the space of half an hour where their soles were literally flapping off their shoes. This school sends food home with some of the pupils every two weeks. And last Christmas, the staff bought presents for the kids they knew wouldn't receive a present at home. That's crazy. This is on our our doorstep. Yeah. What? And is there any government aid on, on that front that assists with this? Well, we, we do we do have um, we do have aid and credit for families in need, don't we? But it's I mean it's difficult. There's you know individual cases. We had a social worker contact us in June for a twelve year old girl. Uh, so she was the social worker was working with a single working mum of five kids, and three weeks before the end of term, her twelve year old had wrecked her school shoes, uh, and the mum was thinking, "A, I can't really afford to buy." a new pair of school shoes, B, she's only going to wear them for three weeks and then she's got a seven-week summer holiday and by September they're not going to fit anymore. So she sent her 12-year-old into school in her school regulation PE trainers and her 12-year-old got detention. Well, what you And do? was told she needed to be in school by the following Monday in regulation to school shoes. Yeah. What do you do in that scenario? It's nothing they can really do, is it? So the kids just getting penalised for... Not been able to afford a pair. You know, we have. I, it's you know, there's sort of inequality everywhere, and wealth is relative. But you know, we have kids here, twelve-year-old boys, who have like four pairs of football boots. They've got their Astro boots, their school boots, their after-school club boots, their muckabout in the park boots. Yeah. And you know, they said they they'll donate us four pairs in the same size, and we pass those on, and that's four players. Yeah. Who've received those boots? Yeah, it's what you know. It's one child can make an impact on four other children. Yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. I'm surprised schools don't have some sort of uh, internal system like that. Like you know, drop your shoes off here for. They do, they do, and increasingly they do. You know, lots of schools have sort of nearly new uniform shops and things. Um, and with our toe to toe school shoes initiative at the end of the summer term, increasingly we'll get an email from school saying, oh my goodness, can't believe the quality of some of the shoes that have been donated. Is it all right if we keep them and, you know, we home them within the school community? And we say, absolutely. We're not, you know, we're not in a competition to see how many pairs of uh, pre-loved shoes we can collect. (coughs) So if they can find a new owner within their community, then please do so. Yeah. Do you, um, 
do you go and do talks? Do you do <coughs> talks at these schools and um, you know try to educate? Because I think that's where where it starts, isn't it? It starts with educating them so that you know this doesn't happen as we. Well, it shouldn't have to be someone that says, "Oh, by the way, you should donate your worn shoes because it's going to help someone." Else. They should have that initiative eventually to you know go and do that themselves. Have you ever? considered going and doing talks at the schools or schools that aren't aren't working with South Shoes to help progress the cause and things like that? We, um, as a charity, we've grown really organically. So the day I started the charity, literally, I contacted three places to do a South Shoes collection. So one was Sal, my son's nursery school at the time. One was um, a primary school where a friend was a teacher and another one, uh, a friend was the manager of like a soft play kids cafe. And I contacted those three places and said, would you have um, a drop-off bin in place for two weeks, put some posters up and parents or kids know they can drop off their shoes. Um, But since that day, we have never actually had to ask anyone to host a South Shoes collection. So people contact us saying, how do we send us your shoes? And it's just sort of spread quite, quite nicely, I think, and organically through word of mouth and through social media, um, and people, people approaching us to do something, which I think sometimes um, is nicer um, and it's a bit more sustainable because it, it means you want to do it. Um, and, you know, don't forget in some of the schools where we have pupils donating, not all the kids can afford to donate their shoes. So we don't actually sort of have a template or a format in which we go in and say, this is how to do a South Shoes collection. We leave it to schools. So on our website, we sort of got poster packs and things, um, but we leave it to the school's discretion. So some schools where they know that every pupil will donate their shoes, they might have, you know, South Shoes monitors that go and collect all the shoes. But in other uh, schools, they might just have a drop-off bin, you know, in the entrance hall where kids can choose to drop off their shoes. But those who, you know, might not be able to afford to uh, don't have to, and it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the thing is, is if I've overseen the fact that in the UK that children need shoes, I bet there's so many people that have also made that similar mistake of just simply overlooking and thinking, oh, what are the UK? We're, you know, I would, und- it sounds bad. I understand third world countries and, and, you know, especially um, areas in extreme poverty. You just wouldn't think it's happening at home. Kids are going to school hungry. Yeah. In, in, in Watford. And, you know, schools have, you know, increasingly there's sort of government funding and grants and things for like breakfast clubs. Kids think better if they've got full bellies. Well, you know, most of us do. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and kids are going to school hungry and they can't yeah. concentrate. Yeah, it's incredible. It's almost like there needs to be some sort of initiative set up even further to help that. Have you ever, have you ever thought, sounds strange, but have you ever thought of focusing on the UK to fix problems at home first before overseas or are you just treating it as one across the globe? in regards to where the shoes no, go? No, as I said, we, we just, we don't have any agenda and I'm realistic enough to know that in my lifetime there will always be kids who need shoes wherever they are in the world, but there will always be kids outgrowing their shoes before they outwear them, so we just carry on finding them new feet wherever they are. Um, when I started the charity, I was always very keen, actually, that we work in the UK as well. Um, and it was always, we've always done it, but on a much smaller scale for lots of reasons. Uh, one there is that sort of inbuilt snobbery about having your kids' feet measured properly, you know, going to Clark's and, you know, yeah. now, now you can get your feet measured on iPads and all sorts. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you get your kids' feet measured properly. Uh, two, secondhand shoes, unlike secondhand clothes, generally, even if they've had the best wash in the world, will always look worn. Yeah. Because, you know, leather creases or, you know, laces fray. And, um, and also, um, 
we've got you know we've got the likes of supermarkets and big retailers where you can buy a pair of shoes for a fiver or a tenner in the sales mm-hmm. um so we, we've always done it on a much smaller scale so you know we used to we still do work with for example domestic violence shelters where women are fleeing domestic violence at home with their kids and literally nothing else in the way of possessions yeah um and then we'd get a phone call saying you know we've had three kids come in these are their sizes they need school shoes they need school trainers they need yeah. about trainers um, but increasingly it's grown and we're now working like directly with schools in the UK, baby banks in the UK where you, people donate outgrown baby stuff and it's, it's given to vulnerable families who are in need. Um, when we started, they used to actually send their shoes onto us because they were donated shoes but couldn't rehome them. Okay. Um, whereas now increasingly baby banks across the UK contact us to say, do you have any shoes? we've got a need for them from the families that we're seeing. That is crazy. Do you track any sort of trends around it? Like, uh, you know, are, um, is the need for shoes in the UK growing? Is it decreasing? Do you have, growing. It's growing. growing. Child poverty levels in the UK are on the increase, which means the need for expensive items, not even expensive items, everyday items. Is that, con- is that something that's just happened continuous or is it recently? Or We've definitely seen a marked increase in the last 18 months two years definitely it's not brexit related is it not commenting (laughs) (laughs) oh that's mega interesting i'm such a numbers geek so i'll probably go away and try and look into that now do do some uh research on child poverty levels in the uk and you'll be pretty horrified yeah it's interesting you're saying in the last 18 months so So there's a lot of stuff it's it's always been there All, all the uh uk charities that are working in the uk that we work with have been doing it for years and years and years there has always been poverty in the uk um, and we have always worked within the uk but there has definitely been a marked increase certainly for what we do which is provide shoes uh, in the last couple of years that is incredible do you ever um yeah because i would be keen to know how it how that is numbers fare after brexit interesting just how much it's actually bothering everything in general because that's another area if you looked at because you've got the insecurity in the economy and so on and so forth you're going to see it hitting back at home as well and that's uh, going to have a knock-on effect uh very interesting no i definitely will have to have to look into i just didn't realize it was that bad if you ever need a place for um a collection area let us know we're happy to set one up without people dropping them off here if you want it's not a, um, an issue for us to help out um have your um what's your staff parent ratio pretty minimal i would i would imagine from from your age i would say 20 20 i'm gonna say 20 percent. i'm gonna say about 10 to 15 percent of kids that said we actually collect shoes of all sizes as long as they're child appropriate when i started the charity i said up until the end of primary school and then people contacted us saying well what size is that and i had to think about it i'm a size six but I have been since I was 11. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when I started senior school, I was five foot three and size six feet. And I was one of the tallest in my year. And by the time I'd finished my A-levels, <laughs> yeah, yeah. all my friends had grown. And I still was five foot three and size six <laughs> feet. So I was one of the shortest in the year. Um, but that made me think about it. So now, you know, kids here, there and everywhere have big feet. And, you know, boys can wear men's brogues to school. Girls can wear ladies' trainers. So we actually collect all sizes as long as the footwear is practical. Yeah. So we don't, for example, want, you know, high heels or stilettos. Yeah. But, you know, trainers and 
That's it. I was sitting there thinking one of my friends is going to absolutely hate me for saying it. His name's Tom, but he's got, I think, size 14, size 15. We call him Flipper. It's just ridiculous. His feet are so large, and I bet <laughs> the ears aren't going to go. They wouldn't be helpful, would they? So you say that. We had a very large donation of sports footwear from um, a well-known sports figure in England, who I'm not going to name, uh, who was size 14. And at the time, we were sending two consignments out, one to a basketball academy in the Congo, and one to a football academy in Kenya, and I contacted them both to say, is size 14 too large? And the football academy in Kenya said they had 22 boys who were size 14 and for love nor money could not buy them shoes. What? To which we said, not to worry, they're on their way. That is crazy. So uh, if you would like to do an in-house South Shoes uh, collection, yeah, get some nice trainers for that yeah 100% I'll tell you what there might be something actually it might be useful for me putting you in touch with um, Toby because he's um, this is the guy I was telling you about the British Explorer and um, he's um, not only is he walking the Congo he's walking the Congo River 3,000 miles it's going to take him 12 months to do it he's doing the whole Congo River first man to ever do it he has a he actually has set up and um, built a school in Kenya and he has a school out there. So maybe, you know, always always helpful having someone to touch base. I don't know if they... I know he looks after them quite well, so they may have... And also um, Sneaker Dude you spoke to. Um, uh, yeah, George late. Sullivan. Yeah. yeah. Sneaker Dude. Sorry. Sneaker Dude. <laughs> Sorry, it's late on Friday. <laughs> He's coming back as well. He's back. Uh, for those that are listening, he's back, I think. Uh, he's back next week, actually. Yeah. George Sullivan's back to have a, another discussion about what he's been up to. Um, but yeah, I could have um, I could have a chat with George and see if uh, George is, uh, is willing to help out with on South Shoes. I'm sure he will. Um, yeah, he's got a huge audience. One of the largest Euro- European um, uh, and, it, and it's shoe based, which is yeah. what we do. Yeah, no, definitely that would be definitely a way to help uh, and progress with South Shoes. It's just, I suppose for you, it's just a scalable. It's just scaling now, isn't it? It's just like how do you how do we go from that stage now to it's um funding so yeah. as as a relatively small charity in monetary terms um our only limitation is funding it's quite hard for small charities to get funding and you know it's not we're not saying for example oh can we have ten thousand pounds we're going to build a school yeah. it's you know ours is dependent on what donations come in and where they go and the cost of where they're going um so ours is is funding we've, we've been um quite successful on sort of uh grants and things recently um, interestingly, a lot of them ask for UK-based beneficiaries of charitable work, um, which I find quite intriguing because I applied for the grant saying, whilst most of our shoes find their new feet abroad, uh, the vast majority of our donors, which is children and adults in the UK, are UK-based, and surely they're benefiting from their act of giving. Yeah. It can only be a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I said, I just find it odd that you you only think of the recipients of the charitable aid as the beneficiaries and not the donors. Yeah. Um, and thankfully they agreed because they gave us the grant and said, actually, you're right. You know, if we're teaching kids of the impact they can have on their peers or, yeah. you know, what a small difference a pair of shoes can make or something doesn't fit them to so just pass it on, that can only be a good thing. They can only gain from that understanding. Yeah. No, so surely they're benefiting from their charitable acts of giving. Amazing. Amazing. What a journey. So what does 2020 hold for South Shoes? We are, um, this newsletter actually is about, we're just about to, we're just working on the design and publication of our next one. So um, we, we produce a newsletter once a year. This is 
December 2018. And we'd just gone over the million pairs in 38 countries. And this month, our doors reopened today for donations for the month. We're open intermittently throughout the year. So uh, November, March, May, September. Um, Why is that? Uh, lots of reasons. Uh, one, so that we can organise volunteers. So instead of having okay. things sort of, you know, yeah. filtering through, we know when we're going to be busy yeah. so we can utilise our time properly. Uh, two, it sort of ties in seasonally. So, for example, November, you're trying on your winter footwear and they're not fitting and you're buying your kids. Or September uh, is, you know, back to school. Uh March is getting spring footwear on, May is summertime footwear. So it's sort of um, seasonal, but it also means that when companies, you know, we've had several banks uh, nationwide collect sort of from all their staff and all their branches. So if they say, oh, we want to do a massive nationwide collection, um, then we know we've got the room in our warehouse. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in September, uh, some days we had up to eight transit vans full of shoes a day being wow. donated. So that's a lot of incoming donations that we have to sort and pack and get them out again. Um, so we're open intermittently throughout the year, but um, we've just opened our doors today, and I think I'm 99.9% certain this month we will count our one and a half millionth pair, and we've just sent to our 44th country. Wow. So in our first year, we collected just under 5,000 pairs in the whole year in 12 months, um, and now more often than not, more than that amount goes out in a day. That is incredible. So we're coming to the end of this awesome podcast. How can individuals get involved to help you out? You can spread the word. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can check out our website. You can get your company to come and do a volunteer day. You can speak to your kids about us. Um, but what I'd really like... Uh, if I may say, on a on a feel good Friday afternoon, is um, we'd really like monetary donations. It's it's our only limitation to what I feel we can achieve. We're the only charity doing what we do as we do it. And um, I think if we had the security of funding, for example, you know, having to cover thirty grand a year rent, if we had that covered for the next twelve months, then we know we've got the security to just go out and concentrate on what we're doing. Yeah. which is getting shoes in and send, sending them out without having to worry about fundraising for really what are pretty low overheads for a charity. Yeah. And so um, you heard it, guys. That's how we can get involved. So the main way is donating through salshoes.com? Salshoes.com or through the Instagram page on the top. Yeah, you can uh, donate money by text through PayPal. We've, okay. we've ticked all the all the boxes to make it as easy as possible. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's... Um, would you like it if we got together and we helped out with getting some shoes together and collecting lots? Absolutely. All right, guys. And, and, and you may want to bring a little team, Sam, to come to our warehouse and sort of sure pack shoes. I'm sure we can sort that out. I'm sure we can sort that out. I'm going to get George involved in this in the next one. Guys, right, we are raw influence. Let's see what we are capable of achieving and helping out sales shoes. So, guys, you all know where, where to reach me and so on and so forth. Let's... Um, I tell you what, you all know the address as well at Samuel Co Train. Start sending your pairs of shoes and trainers and your children's shoes and God and knows what. And a pound a pair donation. And a minimum pound. of a pound a pair donation. Guys, fill those shoes with lots of gold nuggets, <laughs> and uh, you know we can we can put more than a pound. We'll put at least a pound in each shoe, surely, guys. So, guys, oh, let's let's get this movement, uh, you know, taken to the next step and send your 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 worn trainers you know if they've got holes in we don't want to know we want to send the best ones we want no holes in soles we want you to have given them a quick clean and we want them to have laces if they need them 
That's amazing. Think of think of the person your shoes are going to go to, and how much nicer opening you know. Make sure there. some air freshener in there, guys. Yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. Scrape the mud off yeah. the stars yeah. of your boots. Make sure they're nice and clean. So send them to Samuel and Co Trading um, headquarters office. You know how to get hold of me on social media if you want some assistance. Put at least a pound in each shoe, and um, I'm sure we will get some photos of where they've ended up and um, the people that you've helped out along the way. And let's um, let's go pest George as well. See if we can get him involved. Uh, with this movement that's this episode over thank you so much for joining me and um you won't be saying that next week when you've just yeah. got boxes and boxes of <laughs> I'm shoes going. To, i'll just say they think i'm gonna have to put this out on instagram and youtube now and i'm gonna sit there and think jesus i'm gonna get a, a lot of boxes so maybe send a few more quid guys in there because i'm gonna then have to ship it to surrey so <laughs> help me out here yeah put a five in each one and i'll give you a free book there we go <laughs> guys let's make uh let's make some um, children's christmases um you know a lot better and put some um you know, happiness into those uh, shoes as well and, um, you know, help, help some families out over Christmas, get them a, a pair of trainers. Um, I look forward to seeing you guys help me. Also, write a little note in there as well if you want and um, we'll give you a shout-out on one of the next podcasts. And if there's loads of you, I will sit there and generally read them all out so you know I will. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you sign all the acknowledgements as well. Yeah. So, so the acknowledgements will come from South Shoes and Sam. Okay, I'll make sure I write them all, I'll write them all through. So guys, you know what to do. Uh, this is our podcast over and out. And um, like I said, George will be back next week, a bit of a giveaway. And um, a few of the other guests that I was mentioning, um, Girl Power, Woman Power, however you want to go about it, an incredible 1.7 million people has reached through that individual. And we'll be um, talking about more what they've been up to. And also a hedge fund billionaire that will be coming on and talking about his experience in the markets thank you so much to yeti caster and blue mics for sponsoring uh, the war influence podcast and we'll see you all in the next episode